We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Today, we're going to continue our ongoing discussion about cryptocurrencies. We're going to talk about how sports teams are getting in on the action. We're also going to pick up our discussion about cryptocurrency mining and if it's even worth it for the the little guy, the individual. And then in the second part of the show, how to make major gains off this expected big increase in the price of crude oil. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gains. Okay, real quick, before we get started, do me a solid. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold, and I'd really appreciate it. And then also subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when we have a new episode. All right, let's uh, continue the cryptocurrency conversation with one of my go-to guys, Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview and the website SenecalCapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E Capital.com. Hey, uh, glad to have you back, Bill. How you doing? Andy, I'm doing great. It's so great to be back with you uh, and and you know, talking about cryptocurrencies. This is just so exciting. Little fresh news. The New England uh, Patriots are uh, partnering with a company that could lead uh, to the NFL's first fan token. What are they doing here? They're partnering with with a company called Socios? Socios. Socios. I, Socios. I Socios. Oh, Socios. S-O-C-I-O-S. Socios. So what, what is this all about? They're, they're talking about having the NFL's first fan token. I mean, this seems very interesting. And you have, you know, the Patriots getting in on this. Right, Andy. So this thing is moving very quickly, almost simultaneously. So over in Europe, uh, American football, I'm sorry, uh, European football, soccer is very, it's just crazy popular. And so they've already done this. This company, Socios, has already partnered with, you know, dozens of soccer teams overseas. And and what it is, is Socios is a platform that you download on your phone, and it provides you with fan engagement, where every team can have their own cryptocurrency token. It's a fan token. And kind of like, it's like real-time fantasy football, except they're real tokens that you're buying and selling in your portfolio. So you can own a share of the influence of your team. So if you are a Chicago Bears fan or a Packers fan, or and, and mind you, I've never, I'm not a sports guy. I've, I've never read a sports page. I, I don't know who's in the World Series or the or, or any of that stuff, but I, I dig the way 
sports teams are going to be able to engage their fans on a level never, ever possibly imagined a few years ago. Using blockchain, so, using, using using this blockchain, blockchain using technology, yeah. Right. So I can actually, you know, the, the, the Green Bay Packers, I do know, are kind of like a city-owned team. It isn't, I don't, I don't think the majority of ownership actually is with uh, one person or two people, like it here is in, in Chicago with the McCaskies. So here you have an opportunity where a team can sell, quote unquote, offer their fan tokens as a reward for being an ultimate fan. So you get to help your team make the right decisions by voting on official polls. You get to earn rewards uh, by playing and chatting and winning prizes on their app. You get to follow the rise and fall of your team and players. You get to actually own a share of the influence of your own team. So. Uh, there was an announcement made, you know, several months ago that Socios made a deal with the National Football League, the National Hockey League, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Like these people are going to be able to monetize all their special sport moments is by converting these and minting them into non-fungible tokens. So can you imagine uh, Walter Payton, Michael Jordan? Um, like all the famous players, and, and again, I, I don't really know sports that well, but you name all the famous players in the last 10 or 15, 20 years. If you could take that little bit of highlight and save it digitally and then mint it and convert it into a cryptocurrency, you could create a limited edition of Michael Jordan famous shots or Paxton when he made that one three-pointer at the end of the whatever game that was. It was like the only game I watched. Um, and you can, again, it's like where American Idol meets the voice meets major league sports. So, again, it's just a great way to build fan engagement. People sooner are going to have an app on their phone where they can actually vote on the play that gets done in the, um, you know, the, the final moments of, uh, of, of a national championship, right? Or, or maybe they have a, a say in the pick and the drafting of players rather than it being hierarchical down where it's the players. And it's the coaches and the owners are making the decisions. How about if we let the fans make their decisions? What, how about if we let the people who have skin in the game make the decision of who's going to be playing, uh, you know, who's going to lead off, who's going to kick off, who's going to play first, second, and third base? I mean, can you imagine the massive amount of fan engagement that you could have by betting on the Chicago Bears and actually submitting a vote on how, whether we're going to do a Hail Mary pass or whether we're going to punt the ball? And then what if I own Green Bay Packer tokens? And I submit even the worst decisions that they should be making. So here I am, a Chicago fans club, uh, a Chicago Bears fan, and I can own tokens of the opposing team. I mean, it's like I don't see how this doesn't cut out Las Vegas, to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure how this is going to play out. All I know is that they're giving massive amounts of power, voting power to fans uh, in a way that's just never been explored before. I, I think it's crazy interesting. Yeah, the NBA is getting involved on this type of thing as well. Uh, and you mentioned uh, football, a.k.a. soccer, uh, major, major clubs out of Europe and, and, and are have taken play or have, uh, you know, come up with their own tokens. Um, and the other thing that's interesting is, I, from what I understand, for football in Europe, some of the clubs and fan engagement actually does have – more of an influence on moves that a club would make. That's certainly interesting. So um, they uh, expect to see this more widespread. And, and I mean, where can they, wh- how, how far can they take this? Well, listen, 
I, you know, I, again, I just, I can only speak as someone who really is not that in, involved in sports, but I look at it and I say to myself, when you go to Wrigley Field, right, and you buy a piece of sports, um, you know, clothing, you buy a hat, you have a shirt, you have a jersey, you buy all this paraphernalia, and it all has a holographic uh, licensing sticker on it that proves that the licensing fee was paid to the you know sports team. Uh, say, let's just call it the uh, the Major League Baseball, right? And so. It allows them to monetize all the sportswear, all the swag, everything that you see at a stadium. And what if, in addition to that, you could monetize the special moments of the play that you've you've taken your grandson to, or the, or or you're sitting there and like this amazing last minute play was done that's super exciting. They can capture that on video. They can license it using their licensing power and authority because all those minutes, all that stuff is owned by the NFL or by the major league sports team right the mlb and so there's a way of monetizing to a whole new level individual moments and signatures like the tiger woods signatures are minted as nfts they can go between two and five thousand dollars what if tiger woods makes this amazing comeback you know and and again you know he, he he was injured he comes back it's the highlight of his career those signatures could be worth a fortune and maybe he'll only sign 10 golf balls or 10 clubs or 10 hats or 10 something. Right. And you can monetize that digitally and mint it as a non-fungible token. And look at this. I mean, I was at a host, you know, dozens and dozens of fundraising events over the years in the nineties and early two thousands where they always had basketballs and baseballs signed by Michael Jordan and other players. And they went for astronomical fees. But the truth is, you really weren't sure if it was signed by them. I mean, you had you believed that they were. And uh, am I going to say that every basketball signed by Michael Jordan or the team was actually done by him in the locker room? Yeah, I guess it's possible. But the skeptic in me says, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just, you know, some people in the garage with great signatures, you know, signing basketballs. Well, here's a way of putting on a blockchain a legitimate way of having providence of every kind of sports paraphernalia ever produced, like in going forward. Um, when, when you play, listen, and again, when you're, when you're playing sports, when you're watching, uh, when you're watching the final championship in a game, I don't, I don't know how the odds change during the day. I don't know how much you can bet from one, one play to the next or one quarter of the next, but. Oh yeah. It's it's like that now. It's like that with when, I mean, it's amazing how, the the gambling and the lines on sports is in real time. If you're if you've missed the game and you couldn't get a bet in, you can bet on the second half. You can bet. I, it's it's amazing mm-hmm. what 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 they've done there. And uh, I I gotta think that there's got to be a a um, a blockchain component to it. One thing I wanted to throw in uh, this company you're talking about, um, and 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 it's funny you mentioned this to me uh, when I called you earlier today. You mentioned that there's a Chili's. Uh, crypto yes. token associated with this. It had popped right. so, up on my Etoro last night. You can't trade it in the U.S. <laughs> but I was wondering what yet. this Chili's, the ticker CHZ, I was wondering what this Chili's token was. So explain that that's the the token on this uh, platform that you're talking about. Correct. So, so CEOs is the actual uh, application. That's like the portal that you have to get into in order to get your rewards, participate in polls, you know, get into the locker room um, and where you can own the influence of a major league 
soccer team or a basketball team, right? And that's where we're going forward. And the token that Socios uses is called Chili's, C-H-Z. That's a symbol. Uh, it's trading for about 54 cents per token. Again, it's not available in the United States yet, um, but it has, if I can pull up my screen here, I can tell you what the market capitalization is. I think it's around $2.5 billion. And so the question is, what is fan engagement worth in all major league sports played in the United States? I don't know. I don't even know how to guess that. Right. But I'm just saying now for the first time, even me, who's like a non-sports guy, I, I don't know anything about players at all. But if I think that the Chicago Bears or the Packers or New England Patriots might possibly do good, I, even me as a non-sports person could theoretically uh, someday buy it on El Toro or maybe Coinbase will offer it someday. And I can, I can trade the range of, of certain fans and certain sports teams. I, I don't know. I just think it's incredibly exciting. And like I said before, I don't know anything about, about sports, but this to me is an amazing way of monetizing sports to a whole new level. During the pandemic, when, when people can't even show up at, in the stadium without wearing masks or being vaccinated, like here's a way of participating in a really ex- exciting new way that hadn't really occurred to, I think, most people. And so I think the potential is still so new, so raw. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, I, it's, I, it's really interesting because it is the lar- it's one of the largest blockchains for not only uh, game crowdfunding, but also it has an e-sports component to it. And so, um, you know, being that currency on, and how do you say it? Socios? Socios? Platform? Uh, <laughs> potato, pota- potato, I potato. I say it. I usually say socios because socios. I, I know a guy whose last name is spelled the same way, and that's how he pronounces it. All right, well, so we'll go with that, socios. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's very, very popular and widely used in Europe right now. So that's certainly a crypto that uh, folks should maybe start putting on their radar. Absolutely. Again, it's about a $3.26 billion market cap. It's up 6.78% in the last 24 hours. It's down 64% from its all-time high, which was made in March of this year, 2021. And again, I just think if, if Major League Sports is looking for – and they're all about monetizing it, right? I mean, they're all about making money. And so, you know, they, they're, to be, they're going to be looking for ways to do this. And, you know, we heard recently, Andy, you know, we're both from Chicago, that the Chicago Bears was thinking of buying the Arlington Park racetrack and doing something with that out there. What if they turned that into like an esports facility – where rather than us people in the suburbs drive down through an hour of traffic one way, an hour back, park the car, you know, drive through Chicago, which has its fits and spurts of safety and security for family members. Like, I'm, I don't want to get go down that road, but what if they opened up like a satellite office in Arlington Heights so that all the families in the suburbs could go to the Arlington Park racetrack? It's now called the McCaskey, race, McCaskey Park. They do esports. They have you know, fan-based tokens, There's they've, they've, they've put a roof over the place. So you can watch screens kind of like this Black Mirror episode where you have these avatars of people all over the world are betting on games, and it's actually happening simultaneously in downtown Chicago in real time, and it's happening out in Arlington Heights, and the fan tokens are being broadcast everywhere. I mean, it's like the only the imagination is – the imagination is what's holding us back from doing all of this, and some regulation, of course, right? So we have the SEC is very careful about how people uh, purchase and, and list tokens. Um, and, and so I hate to see this actually being 
happening in Europe first. I, I wish it was happening here in the U.S., but we're getting there. We're going to be there really soon. And and this is certainly uh, a, an, another crypto token to keep an eye on. That's, you know, ticker CHZ. Um, real mm-hmm. quick, I, we, we talked about the last time you were on, uh, we were talking about mining crypto. And I think one of the big myths out there, and I've talked to a couple people that were pretty successful with it early on. Um, some people who did Bitcoin really, really early on and have delved in, delved into some of these other uh, cryptos. Um, but I think one of the myths out there now is, oh, any individual can uh, get a, a, you know, put together a crypto mining rig and it's just a, a, a profit generator. Um, that, that's that's not necessarily the case. And, and you've built some rigs. So tell us what you found, uh, Bill, along the way, you know. Well, you know, I just I built my first rig with my son who was homeschooled in 2016. And we did it just as a fun science project. Right. And so it was fun to learn about crypto. I'm a I'm a learn by doing kind of guy. And so we built it just for fun. and. It was it was great. I mean, it was a great experience, but that was then, and this is now. And in 2016 and 2017, the rewards for mining cryptocurrency were extraordinarily high. Today, it's if you're breaking even, if you're making money, I, I'm almost surprised. But, you know, there's two ways you can mine, uh, Andy. One is the proof-of-work mining, tokens like Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, Ethereum Classic, Beam, uh, Callisto, and Ravencoin. And I'll give you this website. The website is called whattomine.com, whattomine.com. Anybody can go there and look up to see what is the profitability on mining something called a GPU token, uh, like again, like Ethereum or Ravencoin, or in ASIC. ASIC is the type of platform and mining machine you need for Bitcoin or Digibyte. Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin Cash. And again, it's power intensive. The difficulty has gone up exponentially in terms of what it takes to receive a reward. So in my opinion, mining is no longer profitable unless you are a huge endeavor, your private equity, your venture capital, you get investors together and you find a location where you can get energy and good regulatory uh, clarity and the the local towns folks don't mind that you're making all this noise from the cryptocurrency mining machine. So, so the big again, guys are the, the are the only ones who really can make money because it's just a, a totally different animal than five years ago. So this whole idea that uh, you know the guy guy or gal in, in their basement can you know buy this equipment and start mining cryptos. At, you know, at this high level of profit seems unrealistic in most cases. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, website. You said it's whattomine.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that what might be. Mine.com, exactly. Yeah, you can at least look at that. But it seems that what you're saying is it, big corporations that are doing heavy, heavy-duty mining and have gone through the, you know, and have it located in the right spot with the, you know, right regulatory structure behind it. Those are the only ones who are now making money. And a lot of those are like publicly traded companies now, right? Yes, exactly. Um, And I don't remember the names of the companies off the top of my head, but I do have them in one of my portfolios. And so right now, if you were to buy, 
maybe a top of the line Bitcoin miner, you might spend six or seven thousand dollars on the machine. And at the low, actually, Illinois has pretty low electrical rates. You might make mm, a couple of hundred bucks a year, right? Maybe 500 bucks a year. I'm sorry, 500 bucks a month, which would pay for your machine in one year. Now, I know it sounds like a lot of money, but the truth is it's incredibly noisy. It throws off a tremendous amount of heat. And, and there's a lot of power. I'm, I mean, that's that's a it's a lot of power running all the time. So, you know, I guess it, if you're doing that in a wide in warehouses, you know, on a big, big scale, it, it's doable. It sounds like the you know, it's you're going to barely make because uh, after you factor in the energy, too. I mean, it, it's it takes such an enormous amount of energy and you're not making that much. And then you're buying this expensive piece of equipment. It just says net net. It just seems like a lot of effort for not, not much. Again, if you were to chart the difficulty and the amount of mining power in Bitcoin, it's like an escalator that goes from the lower left to the upper right. So other than when China banned Bitcoin mining and we saw a huge drop in the difficulty adjustment, that's come back up again. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying it isn't fun. I'm not saying it isn't a learning experience. All I'm saying is that if you spend five or six grand on a Bitcoin mining machine and you plug it in and run it for a year, yeah, you'll be net positive at the end of the year. But again, the difficulty keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And we don't know what that's going to look like in the future, like in a year from now. What if the difficulty increases 20 or 30 or 40 percent? Your financial projections might be way off. So if you're going to do it, do it for fun or do it as a hobby. I'm, I don't think it's unless you're a big player, you're better off maybe owning shares in companies that are raising 60, 70, 80, 100 million dollars and putting in these massive um, commercial projects in the United States. Well, hey, let's let's leave it there. Um, mm-hmm. Again, covered a, a bunch of ground. And uh, next week, Bill, why don't we, we we've discussed this before. Why don't we talk about those go to books and resources that are, are must read, especially as you know, as we're heading into the holidays. Maybe uh, you want to give a little Christmas or, or holiday gift, um, or just for your own self, just to to learn um, more about this stuff. We're going to come. Bill and I are going to curate a list of books, and 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 we're going to talk about them. Uh, is next week probably work for you? I'm here for you. All right. So, yeah, so we'll do that. So next time we'll have Bill on uh, next week for sure. And uh, we're going to come up with some great books and resources so you can learn more about this. So, hey, thanks again, Bill. Always love having you on. And any any parting words here as we uh, wrap up the week? As Bitcoin goes, so goes the market. And so Bitcoin has had a little bit of a pullback this week. But really, we're still in the, the early stages. We're in the first inning, I believe, of a massive, massive new asset class that's going to be changing the world. Philanthropy, sports, there isn't one corner of the world, of the financial services world or anything that you and I are have, have our fingers in that won't be touched by blockchain uh, solution in, in the future. This is just an amazing time to be alive. And, and to be at the ground floor of all of this and the, the, the you know, 
There is downside potential, but also gains potential is just out of this world. Well, hey, Bill, that's Bill Uliveri, owner of Cynical Capital Management in Glenview. Be sure to check out his website, cynicalcapital.com. Bill, uh, give us that number for the newsletter, the text. You know how you uh, text mm-hmm. a, a number. Uh, let's uh, leave with that. What, what do our gains listeners have to do to get uh, info from you? So if you use your phone and you text the word blockchain to the number 22828, that's blockchain to 22828, just text that word to that number, and you'll receive um, a response asking you just to include an email address into a little form handler, so to speak, and you'll get our blockchain advisor newsletter. You know, I send out a newsletter, it's about six or eight pages every 10 days or so to highlight the stock market currency market, credit market, and of course, cryptocurrency. And I would love to have people uh, sign up and give me feedback on what type of things they would like to look at. I try to focus on the grayscale investment products and focus on the Coinbase platform because that's where I see most adoption by your average investor and speculator. Um, You know, it's kind of of janky still, you know, getting on uh, an exchange and using the, the, the swapping services that you had mentioned last week. So text the word blockchain to 22828 and receive our, our newsletter. We'd yeah. love to have you guys aboard. Yeah, just I, I just recently did that. And like you said, you just you text uh, blockchain to the number he just mentioned. You get a text back and then just give them your email. And next thing you know, you got this information showing up in your inbox, which is is, yeah. is You can key. opt out at any time. So there's no 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 obligation whatsoever. Just, it's just my thoughts. It helps me uh, by doing the newsletter. It helps me stay on top of what's going on in the world of cryptocurrency, digital assets, and of course the regular stock bond and, um, you know, commodity markets. So outstanding. uh, Outstanding. Well, Hey, thanks, Bill. We'll uh, talk about uh, must reads next week. And uh, yeah, Phil Flynn is going to join us in a second right after the commercial break. So just hang tight. We're going to go to a spot and then we're going to talk about big gains in oil with Phil Flynn on the other side of the break. Hang tight. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When I, I'm thinking about gains, big gains, and I'm looking to make those gains in the oil sector, I got to turn to my guy, Phil Flynn. Phil Flynn, senior market analyst, Price Group, uh, Fox Business News contributor based here in Chicago. Phil, glad to have you on gains. This is awesome, exciting. I'm, I'm glad I'm here and we can set the world straight about oil, or at least you and I can set it straight. Right, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I guess the first thing is let's set the table on where we're at. Um a lot of oil production in North America has been shut down. I know everybody talks electrical, electric vehicles, and you know we always look to the future, and there's big gains in that space as well. But in the meantime, we're all using combustion engines. We're all using gasoline, and uh, that supply uh is shrinking in a lot of ways because production domestically uh is is not quite where it's at and 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 people are even scared to invest i mean oil has become almost a bad word so i just kind of tell us where we're at phil i mean this is crazy right we're in a bizarro insane world andy this is nuts it really is and you know uh, and what you're seeing here is one of the biggest retreats in American history that I think I've ever seen. I mean, this is the oil equivalent of uh, of losing a war. Because if you think of where we came from, Andy, uh, we were just a, a year ago the biggest net petroleum exporter in the world. Uh, we brought OPEC to their knees. Russia was afraid of the U.S. shale producers. Uh, and that was an amazing turnaround because – when I was growing up, all I heard as a kid was, oh, my gosh, you know, those rich OPEC cartel people control our oil. Peak oil. Remember that? Economy. Remember yeah, that? Peak oh, oil. peak World oil. I, I mean, we're going to – that's it. It's going to yeah. be, you know, peak that's oil and, and then from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. And, and, you know, and then, of course, you know, the biggest national security threat to the United States, to our economy, to our people, was that we had a, a countries that didn't like us that could, could turn off our lights and our economy at the same time. So it was scary. And we won that war. And now we're giving back. We're retreating. It, it, it's amazing. Um, we really had gas prices down. Production was flowing. And, uh, you know, consumers are starting to feel it. And we really haven't even gotten out of the pandemic yet. I mean, we are nowhere near what it was before. So wait until everybody starts going to normal usage. And then we like you've we've retreated here in the U.S. in production. It's really crazy. You talk about bizarre world. The one thing that I'm having trouble uh, understanding and we're going to talk about how to make exploit this to make gains because that's what the podcast is all about but just to kind of set the table here um 
you know, there was a ton of domestic production. We had a pipeline flowing North American oil into the refineries. Uh, we were, I believe, exporting energy, exporting energy, right, Phil, for the first time? That's right. That's in in like, right. like 75 years. And then all Correct. of a sudden, uh, we had a little policy shift. But I got to tell you, the one that really, the, the one thing that I, I question about this is we shut down all our oil production in North America. And now we're, we got the tin cup in hand and we have to beg OPEC to uh, increase their production to offset this. Then we also um, are, are, are not producing it here in North, North America, where we actually do it the cleanest, without a doubt. In Canada and the United States, uh, if you're going to produce oil, we do it in a, in a fairly clean way compared to our counterparts in Russia and uh and China, you know, places like that, uh, they don't really have an EPA, right? And so, right. Um, you know, one of the, the, you know, explanations for, for us dialing back production is, you know, we got to be more environmental. But then I was thinking about it, like, we're just taking money out of the people who produce this stuff here and handing it over to China and Russia and some of some other places, and they don't even do it in, in, in a very environmental way. So I, what, what's going on here? I mean, it's crazy, I right? I think that there, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, well, obviously, it's it's the panic about climate change. Yeah. And people are, are so convinced that the world's going to end, you know, unless we stop using fossil fuels yesterday and that the damage to the earth is irreversible, and, and people believe this. Um, the other thing, Andy, this is about money, okay? And we the like green money. <laughs> energy lobby. You know, we've heard about, you know, we've heard a lot about big oil and, you know, they're making money all the time. The big energy lobby, the green energy, is one of the most strongest politically savvy organizations in the world. And and so there's been this real push to get off fossil fuels to to demonize fossil fuels and replace them with green energy. But there's a lot of, there's billions and billions of dollars at stake that are going to these green energy companies to make these changes. But you know what? They're in such a hurry to make these changes. It's leaving the world vulnerable, not only from an economic standpoint, but from a geopolitical standpoint. Um, I could just give you a few seconds. I mean, look, look what's going on in, in Russia today. I mean, the biggest concern is that Russia is going to invade the Ukraine. Um, but meanwhile, we just the, uh, we just agreed to have a pipeline flow into Germany so we could finance that. <laughs> and what was Angela Merkel thinking? She was warned, you know, by the Trump administration, don't deal with Putin. Get your energy from me. You can't trust the guy. And, and but no, no, Angela Merkel. She decided to close down the power plants. Europe closed down power plants and replaced it with wind and solar. Uh, Denmark shut down natural gas producing plants because you know uh, or fields. And and Europe was in such a a panic to meet their their emission standards to to reduce emissions and get under the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, that they sold their economy and sold to Russia. Now Russia's exploiting that 
cutting off their supplies, threatening them to cut off their supplies in winter. Their economy is in, at huge risk uh, because they they move too quickly for fossil fuels. The best way I could explain it, Andy, and I've said this before, it's like if you want a new house, right? Um, you know, don't you think, you know, before you burn down your old house, you should have the new house built so you can at least right, use it? Right, you think you it know, make, that makes sense, right? But, but right, but we we did it. I mean, we've 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 basically stripped oil production and gas production in Europe. We've done it here in the United States, and the alternatives aren't ready yet. And and so because of that, we're short supplied, and it's going to cause the cost of fossil fuels to go through the roof. And if you don't believe me, go to your local gas station. You'll see what I'm talking about. Well, just one thing, real quick, and then we'll talk about how to exploit this to make money. Uh, it, it almost seems like, in a way, they're they're taking uh, something, or they're they're trying to make expensive energy options seem not as expensive because then oil is expensive now. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's to make yeah. some of these other options uh, more right. in line. Because oh well, if if oil's more expensive, then maybe people will be more apt to. To go that route, I mean, I, it just seems like so, a so very let me dangerous. Get what you're saying here, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so what you're saying is that maybe they weren't that stupid, but there was a method to their madness. So yeah. maybe they weren't stupid. Maybe they're doing this on purpose. Maybe they're they're risking the economy by driving up prices so alternative fuels look cheap. Maybe they're risking their national security, you know, so uh, they can say, well, you know, even though you're. Uh, electricity bill is 200% higher and you may freeze to death this winter. At least we're saving the planet. And now, you know, wind and solar look cheaper. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's kind of funny because Europe was calling for all of this stuff and it's going to be way yeah. worse than there. I mean, you look at natural gas and we've talked about issues. Now they're dependent on Russia. It's, it's really crazy how this has all developed, um, which then in turn comes to gains. And, uh, right. you know, the oil market, um, there's, there's a profit op- opportunity here. I, I got to think Phil, right? No, you betcha. Yeah, well, there is. I mean, this could be a generational opportunity in oil and gas. Um, a lot of people remember the old term super cycle. Remember that? Every, yeah, what is a super absolutely. cycle? It's basically when everybody thought the world was running out of oil and oil prices kept going up. And they basically went from $10 a barrel in 99 to $147 in you know, 2008. Um, and, and we're probably in that same type of situation where the price of oil is going to continue to rise. And um, – and you're right. They've demonized oil production. Um, people are afraid, you know, because they're afraid that the, um, you know, the SEC is going to crack down on you for investing in oil because they're trying to go green. But what you're doing is you're making what was an abundant commodity very scarce. And when you've got a scarce commodity, the price goes up and up and up. And maybe, that's what we're going to see for oil and gas. And maybe oil's black gold again. I mean, when you, when you look at it that way, it is. So, uh, maybe, yeah, I mean, for the, well, Hey, for, you know, for those folks out there that want to exploit this and make some money, um, we got a lot of young, uh, traders and investors listening to gains. So, uh, right. one of the, one of the, the things that I've been reading about is, you know, that United States oil fund LP, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a pro shares ultra Bloomberg crude, crude oil thing that does like mm-hmm. a two times 
the rise mm-hmm. in oil. Uh, let's just start there and, and, and talk about mm-hmm. just some of the ways we can make money off the oil market. It, what's going on right now? It is what it is. And, yeah. you know, there's really nothing we can do about it for the time being. And so why don't we make a little uh, coin off it while we can? So what are what are some ways that maybe individual investors can maybe get in on this? Well, you know, we're seeing uh, we, we, they have um, the uh, CME group, which is a futures uh, trading, have options on actual crude oil options. A year ago, when the price of oil, you know, was going near zero, you could buy options for the right to be long oil um, out of the money for, you know, um, uh, like a $50 call, you know, it could have cost you like three or $4,000. Um, when oil went to 80, you know, the price of that option would have been worth 40000 or $50,000. So there were some really good opportunities to be made on these big type of moves. Uh, the problem is in the back end of the curve with oil, you've got to be very selective because you're going to have some thin trading there. But what what we have seen people do that have done very well have, have bought these long-term options. You know, I, it was funny because, uh, you know, six months ago, somebody was making a big move because people were betting that oil was going to go to $100 a barrel, and they were kind of laughing at them. You know, now we're at, you know, we, we've been pushing $80 a barrel, so they're not laughing anymore. Now there are talk of people using options to bet on oil going to $250 a barrel in a couple of years. And you can get those now, pretty cheap, way out of the money. That you might can. be, yeah. If you, and then if, when they right. come into, if, if those options fall in the money, and we're going to, we'll talk about this. This is, this is kind of deep, sure. but, um, sure. You know, as we're this is a journey, a gains journey. But with right. options, when you buy them far out of the money, they're really cheap. And then over time, if they come into, if they come into the money, and I know those are outlandish or even close when you buy those right. farther out right. options. Boy, they come mm-hmm. into the money. You are making a ton. Explain that, Phil. Exactly. So what you're doing is you're buying when you buy up. A- a call on oil. Let's say you think oil is going to go to $200 next year, you know, just to pick a number. All right. So if I go to December of 22 call, let me see if I can even get a quote for you, see if they have a quote on it today. It's a little bit out of the money, but we'll see what we've got. And, and what you can do is you can pay a certain premium to be, have the right to be long at 200 and that premium will go up in value Premium, those premiums, by the way, yeah, those premiums, by the way, are very uh, options. The pricing, those premiums, they trade like stocks. They do. Yeah. I mean, when you have the pricing and when you have something that's far out of the money um, and and you said some of these people are making bets on two hundred dollars a barrel, two hundred plus. That made the news. That made the news. But Uh, let's let here. I'll, I'll give you a real quote. Um, let's all right. So uh, there is an option for um, December of 22. So if you, if you thought oil was going to go to $200 next year, um, you could have bought that option today for around $300. Okay. What? Well, if that if, if that fell in the money, what would something right. like that be worth? If at expiration you went to $200 a barrel. Um, that would be worth 
$50,000 for an option for 300. Oh. Now this is like a long shot, right? I right. mean, you know, oil has to go up to $200 a barrel um, uh, to make money. But I'll tell you something else. Let's say you buy that option today and then tomorrow the price of oil goes up crazy, right? And they cut off supply, oil goes up 20 bucks. That option could theoretically double or triple in value. So you so you don't even have to even go into oil. the money. You don't, you don't really even have to have yeah. it go into the money, but you have something that's far out, uh, and right. then you see a big move. And even if it say it goes to say we go to 120 a barrel, I mean, or not even that much. I mean, even on a shorter term right. thing, you're talking major major gains on this. The uh, and the thing with the options is is it also is based on volatility, right? So if the market is you know all of a sudden gets jumpy the value of these options could go up, right? Now, the good thing is, the good news is for the average investor is you know what your downside is because when you buy an option, all you could lose is what you pay for it. So for in this case, you know, $300, right? Um, so, um, and now the nice thing is for a small investor, you can leverage then, right? I mean, so instead of buying an option, maybe that's out of the money for, you know, 1000 you can buy maybe you know, for three thousand, you buy an option for three thousand. Obviously, the odds of you making money on that option that's closer to the money that you pay three thousand for is is higher because you don't have to move as much. But if you go further out of the money and you buy ten of these contracts, you have a lot more leverage. So if oil does make the huge move up, you're going to make ten times the money because you're going to have more contracts. If that makes sense, yeah, it totally you know, does. Also, too. And now, you know, but the other thing I like to tell people, too, it's like these options are great. They're sort of like buying lottery tickets. Um, and but but you have a market that has, you know, these lottery tickets would have paid off big, you know, a year ago when the price of oil was at thirty dollars a barrel or, oh, you right. know, it was or below negative zero. Was 50 time, below yeah. zero. Yeah. You could have bought these options for a song. They were giving them away and, and you would have made a substantial amount of money. But let's say you're saying, now, boy, Phil, I think that sounds great, but I think 200 is crazy. You know, I think we could do, um, you know, maybe a hundred dollars a barrel, you know, but uh, the hundred dollar a barrel oil for, you know, it's going to be a lot more expensive. You know, how can I leverage there? And then you can use different types of option strategies. Uh, one of the ones that we're using a lot, for example, in natural gas right now is is a butterfly option, right? And I don't want to get too confusing, but what a butterfly option is, it's a combination of buying and selling options at a particular strike price. So let's say you're, you know, we'll, we'll go back to oil because the numbers are easy. Let's say you think oil is going to be at the end of this year or the end of next year, let's say the end of next year, at, at $100 a barrel. Um, what you can do is you can pick a range. So what you could say is I think at the end of the year, I don't know exactly where oil is going to be, but I think it's going to be above 80 and below 110. So you could buy, or let's say 120. So you, buy the, so you could buy the 80 call, sell two 100 calls, buy a 120 call, and as long as when the future expires at the end of the year, it falls in the wings of the butterfly, you make money, right? And the closer you are to the center 
uh, the more money you make. So there's a lot of different strategies that you can do to maximize your leverage with this, with options. And, and we, you know, as time goes on, we're going to get more into this. So, I mean, like you said, you could do the big oil stocks. That's for the more conservative investor. And then right. as you get more risky, you know, if you listen to gains, we understand the risky stuff is more like lottery tickets. Uh, you have these ETFs that we talked about, you know, that United States mm-hmm. Oil Fund, which is really popular. Um, as I mentioned, those there's that ProShares Ultra Bloomberg Crude Oil or that, that uh, Bloomberg right. Commodity Balance WTI Crude Oil Index. Um, I believe the ProShares is, is like a double uh, two times the mm-hmm. uh, price move. And then you have the options play, which... Uh, you know, out of the money options are, are fairly risky, but they're lottery tickets, and that's what we're looking for is big gains. So as we're wrapping up here, and and we're gonna we'll yeah. continue this conversation with Phil. I know this is a lot of new stuff, and you know we'll we'll talk more about options and and how to do that uh, at another mm-hmm. time. But uh, Phil, just real quick, how how high do you think oil could go? And uh, you know that that can just kind of give us an idea of the potential upside here. I think this year, believe it or not, uh, in the beginning of the year, you know, when oil was at $40 a barrel or whatever the heck it was, we were predicting that oil was going to hit $88 a barrel this year. You know, it's almost the end of the year, and we're almost there. We haven't hit 88, but we've come darn close. You know, we've been near 85. So I think we're getting to the level where we're near a short-term, you know, peak for this year. But next year, we're expecting the price of oil um, to get up to close to $120 a barrel, okay? Is that with a pretty decent recovery? Uh, I mean, is that factoring a a, a pretty decent recovery to, 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 you know, out of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, listen, we've got the Build Back Better program, whether you like it or not. The thing is, is that Build Back Better is going to use a lot of energy, right? Right. And as much as Joe Biden says, hey, you know, we want to get off fossil fuels. Well, buddy, if you want to build bridges, if you want to if you if you want to use asphalt, I hate to tell him it's made out of fossil fuels. Don't tell him he's going to ruin his Among a lot of other things people don't think about, you know. (laughs) Right. And the funny thing, you know, just to make a joke, it's like, He's cutting off supplies of fossil fuels. Now he wants to rebuild bridges and highways and stuff. And it's like, well, where are you going to get the oil to do that? You're going to have to import it from Canada or Russia or somewhere because you're not making it here. So, you know, so, yeah, I mean, and and, and so that's when I, I, I think it's going to be incredible. So I think 120 is a, a reasonable amount of where we go. Now, the thing is, you got to remember, there's volatile swings. Market shoots up. Rallies ten bucks, pulls back ten bucks, and then it goes. I would say right now, if you're positioning for next year, you're you're pretty lucky because we're getting a bit of a pullback here, right? Oils in the 80s, they pulled back because they're thinking that they're going to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or knock off oil exports. If they do any of those things, it'll push oil down for a short period of time, but it'll give you a great buying opportunity, and that's when you want to look at options. The best time to look at options isn't when the market's screaming. The best time is when you get a correction. So when it looks like everybody wants to get rid of the darn things, that's going to be the time to buy in. So if you're looking at doing these options, you hope that Joe Biden releases oil from the reserve because it'll probably give oil a short-term downward trend. This is where you can pick up some of these cheaper options. And then, of course, um, 
if they level off, they can start to shoot back up. And so this is probably a good time to be positioning for next year. You know, we're looking at these 22 options. We're looking at different types of spreads, but that might be, you know, this might be the opportunity. Your timing could be perfect to start looking at this. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that sound that makes a ton of sense. So it sounds like the play here is, you know, when there is that pullback, look for those uh, oil options that might be out of the money towards the upside and, uh, you know, if you can get a good deal on those those options, say 100, 110, 120 a barrel, well, you know, if you start having oil, then some at some point next year, jump to two or at near those levels. I mean, the, the gains potential is pretty high. It is. And, yeah. and the thing you want to do, you know, if you're if you're a young investor and you've got risk capital, you know, and, and you're the type of guy that likes like buying Mimi stocks, you're looking at this kind of thing. I, I this is I think this is the type of market because, you know, the question you got to ask yourself before you do this. Right. First of all, can you afford to lose money? That's number one. Number two, um, when you look at it, think logically for yourself. Look at the oil market. You know, you know what's going on with oil supplies here in the United States are going down. You know, demand is going up. You know, look out your window. How many people are driving an electric car? Count how many electric cars you see. Even if there were electric cars out there and everyone was driving one, ask them if they could keep the power grid going without oil or gas, right? So what I'm saying is, is that the you know, as long as we don't get into a recession and then we start rebuilding the economy, we're going to be using a lot more oil. The problem is because of regulations by the government, we're producing less. Right now, we're using more oil than we can produce around the world. It's as simple as that. And I think that's going to continue into the new year. I don't think the Biden administration is going to back off their green energy stuff. So I think what that means is the supplies are going to continue to be tight. Demand's going to exceed supply. And when that happens, prices go up. And if there's any disruptions around the globe, these options could spike. So you want to keep an eye on it. So let's say you look at that option we talked for 300 Buy 10 or 20 of them, put in 6000 and then, you know, some headline comes out. You might double the value. You can sell half of them. Then you got a free trade, and you let the market work on the rest of them, and that's a lot, the way you want to do it. So if you're buying massive quantities, you know, 5, 10, 20 contracts, and then the market pops, sell a few of them pay for for it and now you've got a free ride if the market goes your way so playing with house money basically play it's like being at the casino you know and and you've had a good run at the blackjack table take a little bit off that you initially came in with now you're playing with the house's money it is it is you know we've had a thing this in the last couple years with the people that have been doing that and we've done exactly that and then we've had options that get deep in the money like where we had two options and then we're in the money and we're making good money. But then we're like, well, wait a second. If we think oil's going back up by just having these in the money options, we might be better selling the deep in the money options, taking that money and getting more leverage and buy, you know, next year further out of the money, get more contracts and have less money, put a little in the bank. So if we do get that big move, we're going to even um, – uh, you know, have more contracts and we'll make more money if oil does its thing. So it, 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 it works beautifully in a bull market, assuming that the bull market continues. And we have reason to believe that it will. 
Wow. Well, hey, Phil, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. And we're going to get into a lot of these things in future Gains podcasts with Phil. He's our energy guy. And he's going to tell us, you know, how to, you know, we'll delve into options. And he's really got a unique insight. He's one of the the top traders out there. You see him everywhere. So uh, great to have you on, Phil. Any parting shots here uh, before we go? All right, guys, just remember, uh, if you're having trouble plugging in your electric car <laughs> this winter, uh, just remember, uh, it, it's a lot more expensive to charge your car in Europe because their price to, for their power grid has gone through the roof. So look at the bright side. If you don't have an electric car and gas is expensive, just remember, gas is double what you're paying in Europe, and so is their electricity. All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back on. Thanks again, Phil. I really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, again, uh, big thanks to Phil Flynn. Real quick, two shameless plugs. I say this many times. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option. And then also, uh, hey, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Thanks again for joining us on the Gaines Podcast, and I will see you next week. A News Radio WBBM Podcast, powered by Odyssey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.